The Celestial Hammerlock by Donald Colvin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dale Grothman. This big-time space promoter could get the horsehead nebula in a flying mare, but pinning a planetoid is tougher. The Celestial Hammerlock by Donald Colvin. Spacegram from Jed Michaels, Rytuk Eris, to H. E. Horrocks, Interplanetary Amusement Corp., Cosmopolis Earth. I quit, you balloon brain. Jed. Rocket Mail, Second Class. Dear Michaels, Your last message indicates you wish to leave the employment of the Interplanetary Amusement Corp. Under our employee policy, this is allowable effective upon completion of your current assignment. Under precedent set as long ago as 2347 A.D., the company will even pay the cost of your message of resignation. However, the words, you balloon brain, do not seem a necessary part of the message, and will be deducted from your salary. Furthermore, I have a few words of my own to say. You march straight into my office, Michaels, just as soon as you get back from Eros. Eros? What the hell are you doing on Eros? Horrocks. Rocket Mail, First Class. Mr. H.E. Horrocks. Dear Balloon Brain, If you paid a little more attention to your office and less to the golf course on Venus, you'd know what I'm doing on Eros. I got here two days ago via Mars with a herd of six wrestlers in accordance with your own written memorandum. We were to appear at an Aurex club smoker. Upon arrival, I found that no preparations had been made for us, and nobody knows anything about the Aurex Club. People here are nuts. They talk in six-syllable words, and their idea of a good time is to sniff flowers and do five-dimensional calculus. They have less use for wrestlers than I have for you. Michaels Rocket Mail, Second Class Michaels, you nitwit. That wasn't Eros, you idiot. You were supposed to go to Erie, Erie, Pennsylvania, right here on Earth. If you remember even your sixth-grade solar system history, you would know that the planetoid Eros was settled in 2141 by a group of longhairs headed by Professor M. R. Snock, a philosopher with a dozen university degrees. He wanted to show that war, crime, and all forms of violence would disappear if people thought only beautiful thoughts. The planetoid is lousy rich with iridinum ore, and people keep in luxury selling it to space freighters. They spend their time being gentle and thinking beautiful. There hasn't even been a spitball thrown there in eight generations. A fine time for you to show up, malahooting six wrestlers with no foreheads. You're lucky they haven't thrown you in jail. Horrocks. Rocket Mail Postage due. Mr. H. E. Horrocks. Dear Jellyhead. What do you mean, lucky? We are in jail. Right after we got here, the boys decided they had been cramped in that local spaceship and needed a workout to limber up. As soon as they got started, they were surrounded by a bunch of scrawny males, all sniffing hollyhocks. Their spokesman, a bald bird with rosebuds in his whiskers, touched me with a gold-headed cane 
and said that apparently we were not yet attuned to the high mental plane of the planetoid, and would we mind going into protective custody while they worked over our egos and cured our kineticism? I said, suppose we wouldn't. He looked shocked and waved his flower, and said that then, although it had never happened before, he supposed he would have to call the space patrol and have us thrown into the Huskow on Ganymede. I translated that into basic wrestler for the boys, and we agreed we'd better go along. We'd heard about the jail those tough space patrol babies operate on Ganymede. The flower lovers took us to an old iridium pit and asked us to please go down. Now they're perfuming us every hour and feeding us flower bulbs to make us gentle. We could climb out of this rat hole whenever we wanted, but that would be climbing straight into a striped spacesuit. I think about you all the time. If you think they're beautiful thoughts, you're as crazy as I've always suspected. Michaels. P.S. The boys ask that I enclose this note from them. Dear Mr. Horrocks, We do not like it here, Mr. Horrocks. The grub is no good. You come get us. Please, Mr. Horrocks, come soon. Gorilla Man Thorpe, Choker Jonas, R.Z. Zabitch, Light Heavyweight Champion of the Moon, Mercury, and the Inner Rings of Saturn, Gorgeous Gordon, Barefoot Charles Enya, X, the Faceless Wonder, Rocket Mail, First Class, Mr. Jed Michaels, Mr. Michaels, Don't think you can sit around doing nothing and collect pay from the Interplanetary Amusement Corporation. You're suspended until you get out of there. Horrocks. Spacegram, collect. Mr. H. E. Horrocks, Cosmopolis Earth. My resignation was a mistake. I withdraw it. You are the best of all possible bosses. Improbable as it seems, I love you. Jed. Spacegram, Mr. Jed Michaels, Rytux Eros. Only one possible cause for your last spacegram. Has she a sister? Hank. Rocket Mail, Second Class. Mr. H. E. Horrocks, my dear employer and pal, Eros is a wonderful asteroid. Toward the end of the second day in the pit, the wrestlers limbered up. Zabitch and the Gorilla Man worked out on headlocks. Gorgeous Gordon did calisthenics, and Barefoot Charlie, Choker Jonas, and the Faceless Wonder got themselves into a grunting free-for-all. After that got underway, I heard a squeal, and a girl came bounding down the pit's side. She was young and dark-haired and pretty. She might have been as intellectual as the president of Harvard above the shoulders, but what a framework she had to hold up that brain. She went over to Gorgeous Gordon, and she said, Ooh! With all the flower lovers around here, it was probably the first man with muscles she had ever seen. The big ham swelled up. He flexed his arms and stuck out his chest. Ooh! said the girl and went bounding back up the side of the pit. I stopped the exercise, and the wrestlers sat and mused blankly at each other. In a few minutes our little visitor was back again. With her were about a dozen pals, differing in details, but resembling her in the important points. The leader was a tall, brown-haired, gray-eyed girl, with a face where intelligence fought a losing battle with a dimple. 
The others helped her down the pit side as if she were something fragile and precious, like maybe a new bottle of perfume. Then our pals went back to gorgeous Gordon. More, ooh, said the girl guide. You know how wrestlers are. They'll slap each other silly to get the cheers of four kids on a street corner, or commit mayhem for a purse big enough to buy a ham hock. In five seconds we had going on one of the finest wrestling matches in the history of good, clean sportsmanship. And over the cracking of wrestlers' bones rose the shrieks of the girls, showing that their throats were in the right place, even if their brains weren't. The gray-eyed girl sat with me on a flange of unmined ore. She was Aliana, a direct descendant of the leaders of the Eros pioneers. As such, she was a princess of the planetoid, although she left most of the governing the Council of Elders, apparently as outstanding an array of mossbacks as ever smelled a gardenia or just plain smelled. I sometimes think, Mr. Michaels, Aliana told me, that we on Eros have laid too much stress upon the cerebral. I wonder if our lives might not be fuller if we also included some of the more vigorous activities, such as the one in which those men are now engaged. If it's a vacation from your mind you want, Princess, I agreed, those boys are your meat. Just then the gorilla man got a leg split on barefoot Charlie and began to braid his toes. How stimulating, breathed Aliana. What is proper for an onlooker to remark in such a situation? A satisfactory outcry, Princess, I explained, is, Break it off! Break it off! encouraged Aliana. I had to wind it up finally before the wrestlers reduced themselves to blubber, thereby forcing the Interplanetary Amusement Corporation to go out and lasso itself another herd. The girls were giggling up the side of the pit. At the top, Aliana waved at me. The others blew kisses, not caring much how they landed, as long as the receiver had muscles. The next day, a young man came to the pit. He announced that, upon Princess Aliana's orders, we were to have the freedom of Eros, so that contact with the planetoid culture could win us from our uncouth ways. He was too young to be wholly gentled by the flowers and the Council of Elders, so the choker showed him a wrist lock and then the choker tossed him on his ear in the iridium ore. He said words that were not beautiful. Maybe there's something to the people of this asteroid. Anyway, everything is great now. We wander wherever we please, as long as we return to the pit to sleep. When nobody is looking, we sneak into the royal palace courtyard and put on a wrestling show for the girls. And the knights. Ah, the knights. Don't turn entirely green with envy, Hankus. At least leave your nose the familiar red. Jed. Spacegram. To Jed Michaels, Rytuk, Eris. Fine work. Return immediately. We'll meet you at Mars. Maybe you can persuade some of the girls to accompany you that far. Am sending the wrestlers to Saturn. Hank. Rocket mail, first class. To H.E. Horrocks, Cosmopolis Earth. Dear Hank. Go to Mars, the man says. I can't go anywhere. The elders caught us giving a rassle when Aliana was away, and we're in again. These flower roots taste terrible. Jed. Spacegram. To Jed Michaels. Rytuk Eris. You blundering baboon, you're fired. Horrocks. 
Rocket Mail, Free Royal Frank, Royal Palace Eros, to H.E. Horrocks, Cosmopolis Earth. Dear Melonbrain, I gather from your last message that you wish to discharge me. I accept the offer, fat boy. In fact, under Royal Eros precedent, which I made up three minutes ago, we will even pay for your message. However, the words, you blundering baboon, do not seem a necessary part of that message, and their cost will be taken out of the first bit of business that the Royal House of Eros decides to honor your puny little corporation with, if any. Times have changed, Hankus. I'm a big shot now. A few hours after we got back in the pit, Aliana came back and sneaked down to see us. She said she thought it was about time to end this Council of Elders nonsense, and asked our help. I told her plan to the wrestlers, with words of one syllable or less. They all agreed, except the faceless wonder. I don't see why I should have nothing to do with no book, he said. It seems he had had a book once, and chewed up the first three chapters before he found it wasn't something to eat. I signaled the boys. Zabich clamped a headlock on him. The choker got a hammerlock. The gorilla man took him in the scissors. Gorgeous Gordon got a toehold, and barefoot Charlie stood up and jumped on his stomach. Do you understand now? I asked politely. Sure, Jed, sure, said the faceless wonder. Why didn't you explain it to me in the first place? So the next morning we yelled for books and the following days, whenever anybody was around, we were busy sniffing flowers and reading. Between times, I tried to explain to the wrestlers why there weren't more pictures in the books. A week later, we sprang the trap. I told the stable hand who brought us our fodder that I had taken in so much culture that I was breathing beauty. Zabich gagged a little and asked for a second helping of flower roots. Gorgeous Gordon requested a needle and thread, he said he had fallen behind in his needlepoint. The report of the conversation had got to the Council of Elders, and it brought them to the lip of the pit, looking like something the glue factory had refused to accept. Aliana was with them. I bowed at the waist and made a speech. I thanked the elders for showing me the error of my ways. I said that, after staying in the lovely iridium pit, I was enraptured with flowers, crazy about culture and practically engaged in fifth-dimensional calculus. I asked that I and the boys could have the priceless boon of walking freely around Eros, swapping beautiful thoughts with the local yokels. The elders went into a deep state of flutter. Most of them were accepting our proposition out of hand, which was bad. Our old pal with the beard saved us. But I saw these men romping, he shrilled. He lowered his voice to a high alto. Positively romping! Perhaps these men could prove their sincerity, Aliana said, winking at me. Perhaps one of them could consent to illustrate what he has learned here by giving a public talk on some scientific subject. I should be glad, I answered, to hack off a lecture for the good folks of Eros. Suppose I give it on anatomy. And so it was decided, exactly as we had planned. There was an amphitheater which the inhabitants of Eros had been using for ballets, string quartets, and lectures by such of the longhairs as got stuffed so full of long words that they couldn't keep them to themselves. I had ring posts and ropes set up on the platform, saying I needed them to illustrate my talk. 
I got into the ring with Gorgeous Gordon and Zbitch, who were dressed in trunks and bathrobes. The wit and beauty of Eros was assembled there, the beauty being represented by the girls, and the wit, such as it was, by the council of elders. The rest of the seats were filled by other forms, some of them tolerably easy to look at. I had picked out the subject of anatomy in the belief that none of the inhabitants of Eros knew anything about it. The men didn't notice, and the women had nothing to look at anyway. I went into my act. Kind hosts, friends, and unfortunate incidents, I said. My topic is the science of anatomy. Now the science of anatomy is copacetic to the point of mopery. The cerebellum is distended, and the duodenum goes into a state of e pluribus unum. Uncalculable thrombosis registers, and the ectoplasm become elliptic. Or, in the vernacular, the eight ball in the side pocket. The crowd sat stunned. Here and there a flower sniffer looked down at his own rack of bones to check my statement. Let me illustrate, I said. I drew the bathrobes off the wrestlers. The boys' muscles rippled as they strutted around the ring. From the women's spectator came a long, deep sigh. From that moment we had half the audience with us, the female half. In anatomy, I said, shaking my finger to emphasize the point, the wingback shifts outward from a lateral. In the words of the great philosopher Hippocrates, the coil should always be kept clean between the barrel and the tap, and all excess collar should be removed from the spatula. Nobody was listening to me. They were looking at the wrestlers, which, of course, was what I figured on. Most of the men were comparing the grunter's muscles to their own, and here and there a few were dropping their flowers onto the floor. I signaled, and in a second the boys were an omelet of flying legs. The crowd gasped, then leaned forward intently. The shrieking began when Gordon got a headlock on Zbitch. It grew when Zbitch flipped Gorgeous with a flying mare. By the time Gordon got in a billy-goat butt, the amphitheater sounded like feeding time at the zoo. There was another sound, too. Old Whiskers was trotting down the aisle, shrieking, This is romping! Mere romping! I signaled, and the boys stopped. We need a third man to illustrate the next point, I said. Perhaps the gentleman in the aisle will volunteer. Two wrestlers grabbed Old Whiskers and tossed him into the ring. Making fast double-talk, I took off his shirt, and he stood there, stripped to the waist, blinking in the sun, and looking like a dehydrated squab. The crowd noted the contrast between his scrawniness and the muscles of the wrestlers. A roar of laughter swept in. Perhaps, I said, the gentleman would like to romp. Zubich made a grab for him, and he scuttled out of the ring, falling over the lower rope. A woman in the first row slugged him with a gardenia. Sit down, you old fool, she turned to the wrestlers. Break it off, she shouted. The match went on. In my career, including my medicine show days, I've had lots of easy marks, but nothing to compare with the crowded Eros' first wrestling match. When Gorgeous took the first fall with the body scissors, they went mad. When Zbitch evened it up, they went hysterical. When Zbitch took the deciding fall, they were delirious and at the end of the match between Choker Jonas and the Faceless Wonder, they were reduced to jelly. 
we had to call off the third match for fear we would have to take them home in jars. At the end we went in a body, led by the wrestlers, and threw the Council of Elders into the Eurydium pit. We are keeping them now on a diet of raw meat. The amphitheater has been converted into a permanent wrestling arena. We've laid out a football and a baseball field in the Lyceum Grove, and next week we'll start turning the botanical garden into a golf course. To carry out the full program, we shall have to buy some equipment and hire some talent. Whether we toss some of the business to interplanetary depends, Hankus boy, entirely on the attitude interplanetary takes toward you-know-who. When you write your crawling letter, you worm, address me as Your Mightiness. I am the Minister of Athletics on Eros now, and the second most important person on the planetoid. My work takes me close to Princess Aliana. Very close. Come to think of it, I wish there was a moon on Eros. It's not essential, but it helps. So long, peasant. End of the Celestial Hammerlock by Donald Colvin